0: Good morning, everyone. We are in Matthew chapter 12. And this is where Matthew begins to share with us about some of the experiences of Jesus and the changes that he's bringing, significant changes to Judaism in the creation of Christianity. Now, it won't actually come to fulfillment until after the cross. But again, Matthew writing on the other side of it, sees that crystal clear, um, writing many years later. So he's beginning to show us the things that Jesus changed. So in verse 1, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And this is one of the the big changes to Judaism through Christianity, is in regards to the Sabbath. And his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. Now, if you weren't aware, um, the The Pharisees and Jewish people not only were honoring the seventh day Saturday as a Sabbath, but they had made significant additions to what it meant to honor God on the Sabbath. And it became very strict and very legalistic. I mean, hundreds of pages of writing that they would go by in regards to everything, whether it be knitting or sewing or cooking or walking or just and they spelled it out in detail what it meant to honor God on the Sabbath and what it did not mean way beyond what was stated in the Word of God and this is something that Jesus is going to make a big change to that is the Sabbath so the disciples were picking heads of grain well they're not supposed to pick heads of grain on the Sabbath so uh, according to the Jews so when the Pharisees saw this they said to him look your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath But he said to them, now, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to point out a couple of times when things in the Old Testament were done on the Sabbath uh, as a means to say, hey, listen, even then they didn't follow it that strictly. And he says, have you not read what David did when he became hungry and he and his companions, how he entered the house of God and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but for the priests alone? Uh, So David and his guys did that one time when they were real hungry. And, or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? Uh, That's kind of an interesting argument. You know, the priests who perform religious duties on the Sabbath are doing work. And he's saying there's an example of, you know, even the priests worked on the Sabbath. But I say to you that something, and this is really what is significant, listen. But I say to you that something greater then the temple is here. You know, they're not understanding that Jesus is the revelation of who God is and that he has all authority in heaven and earth and he can make any change that he wants. They're trying to hold, of course, to their Jewish law, their Jewish um, faith laws, rules, and he's beginning to make changes. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and, and not sacrifice. And if you look that passage up in Hosea, Um, It also is is stated that I desire loyalty and not sacrifice. And that makes sense to me in the sense if you look at it like this, like like God wants you to love him and to follow him. And the Jews were so focused on laws and rules, and many of them that they made in addition to their word, that he's saying, you know what, the heart of it is, I want you to love me and to be loyal to me. And they're making that about a rule. And Jesus is taking it more about the devotion of the heart. And he uses this Old Testament passage from Hosea 6 6 to share that I desire compassion and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the innocent, um, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now that. That's a huge statement. He's claiming about himself, which Jesus has the right to do, that he is Lord of the Sabbath, meaning he's the master of the Sabbath. He can say what goes and what does not go on the Sabbath. And you know the apostle Paul and the early church, you know, wrestled with what they needed to do regarding Jewish laws and there was a major break, you know, and and Paul taught directly that you know, we don't get to Christ through the law anymore. And, you know, listen to this in Colossians chapter 2. It said, Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, he's talking about the law, which was hostile to us, and the law ended up becoming hostile to them, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them Through him. He's saying Jesus triumphed over the law. Now listen, verse 16. There is no one, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regards to food. As an example, eating shrimp or pork or whatever, or drink, or in respect to a festival. Do you follow the Jewish festivals? Or to a new moon? Do you follow any new moon requirements that were in the Old Testament? Or a Sabbath day. Let no one judge you regarding a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self abasement and the worship of the angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as these? So the New Testament has given a significant change to the sabbath and the the christian church began not meeting on saturdays but as you'll see in the new testament they began meeting on the first day of the week which was sunday christianity needed a new uh a new day to worship on it needed to break from judaism because a lot of people in paul's day when he was expanding the church were in their Jewish synagogues, and Paul was teaching about Jesus, and there was division there. And ultimately, they just needed to break from Jews and worship on Sundays. And one of the biggest changes to the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, is the Sabbath that it 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 does not have to be honored as it was in the Old Testament. Um, it's a rarity. Because, you know, all the other commandments of the Ten Commandments is something that we still honor and believe in. And it's not that it's bad if you um, take a day to quiet yourself before the Lord. In fact, I think he'd be pleased with that. However, the problem is, is if you make it a law, if you make it a work, if you make it a have to in order to receive salvation, what that does is it takes away from the cross of Christ and what he did to give you. And we know we're saved by faith now and not by a Sabbath. And, and why is it that this one of the Ten Commandments, why is it that one Jesus changed? I mean, that's a big, a, a, a big thing. And I think it may be because they had so polluted it with all their extra laws and all the things they have written. Go ahead and look it up sometime. Uh, it's remarkable once you see what they did to the Sabbath and all the rules and laws they added to it. I think they polluted it so much that Jesus was and the Apostle Paul were creating a clean break from Sabbath keeping. So departing from there, he went into their synagogue. And you're going to see this conversation comes up a lot in the New Testament and comes up again in this chapter. And a man was there whose hand was withered, and they questioned Jesus asking, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him? See, it's almost like they were using it as a weapon, the Sabbath. And he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable then is man than a sheep? So then it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored to normal, like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him as to how they might destroy him. So this is putting the Pharisees over the edge. They are now, they're now going to be on a path to, to kill Jesus, and ultimately they're going to. But you know, God's plan was to to allow Jesus to go to that cross to forgive our sin. But yeah, they're after him now. But Jesus, aware of this, aware that they they were after him, withdrew from here. Many followed him, and he healed them all. And he warned them not to tell who he was. He still was not trying to die before his set time. This was to fulfill what the what was spoken through the through Isaiah, the prophet. Now, that was interesting. I spent quite a bit of time on this this morning, and you know, a lot of people give different perceptions of why Matthew quoted this. This is not Jesus speaking. This is Matthew. Um. Quoting an Old Testament passage and saying that this was fulfilled in Jesus. And I, I, I'm going to share with you what I think the significance of it is. He said, Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him. This is talking about Jesus. And he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles. That can also be translated nations. I think this is the significance of what Jesus is saying. He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A battered reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice to victory, and in his name the nations or Gentiles will hope. Well, with the Pharisees really giving him a hard time and trying to kill him, although Jesus in his ministry on earth and the apostles, although while they were here before the cross, they weren't specifically going a lot to Gentiles. Jesus, in his frustration with the Jews, is beginning to let them know that, you know, the spirit is upon me and this gospel is going to go to the Gentiles. You are rejecting me. You are just giving me trouble. Well, guess what? You're not going to be the soul a family of God anymore. Now anyone who believes in me is going to become God's special family. And this would be something that would really irate the Pharisees because they didn't even want to be in the same room as a Gentile. And 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 Jesus is beginning to say, listen, God's now coming for everybody and not just, you know, you anymore. And uh, it would have been a, a direct kind of in your face statement. Although he didn't speak this here, uh, but Matthew's indicating, you know what, Jews, you've rejected him. The gospel is going to be coming to Gentiles. Then verse 22, a woman possessed, then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. And all the crowds were amazed uh, and were saying, this man cannot be the son of David, can he? But the Pharisees heard this. They said, This man casts out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. I mean, they're they're calling Jesus demonic. Um, and Jesus kind of, you know, gives them a argument in the next passage. He's like, Well, a demon's not gonna cast out a demon, so that doesn't make sense. Uh so you're wrong. And, you know, that does make sense, right? A demon's not gonna cast out a demon. So Jesus uh shares that with him. I'm not gonna read that, but he, he he is the one, but the one part I do want to read, he says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Uh, what a great line, verse 28. And, and Jesus is telling them, listen, I am from God. I have the spirit of God and the kingdom of God is upon you. And that's the power that is being unleashed, casting out demons. It's It's right from God. Verse 31, therefore, I say to you, no, this is now going to be uh, an attack that Jesus is going to give to the Pharisees because of all their rejection to him. So, listen, therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people. But blasphemy against the Spirit, what you guys are doing is dangerous, shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, so if you're going to deny that, that God is in me and that God is doing this through the power of his spirit. uh, This shall not be forgiven him either in this age or the age to come. Significant words. These people who have rejected Jesus when he's come and done all these miracles in front of them, um, they have been cast out. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. And he's basically saying that you you guys have bad fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his easel treasure what is evil. And that's why it's so important, church, that we are daily seeking God, spending time with him, having a prayerful word of God devotional with him remembering that his spirit lives in us so that we are filling our hearts with the Lord so that when we speak, it's more of him that comes out of us instead of the evil that's in this world. Our words are important. We have to be careful what we speak. We want it to be in honor of the Lord. Listen, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak shall be given an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words you will be condemned. Wow, pretty significant statement there. And may we stay in tune with Jesus. Thank you for the grace of God, Lord, for believing in you. But let's 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 improve our speech and have it be in honor of Him. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He's already done sign, he just healed people, right? But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the sea. Basically, the sign all you need, even though I've done all these miracles, even in this very chapter, the sign you need is when I rise from the dead and I'm, you know, after three days, you're, that's that 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 that's all you need the men of nineveh you might remember they repented by jonah's preaching the men of nineveh nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of jonah and behold something greater than jonah is here he's saying listen i'm coming to you in the spirit of god i am the lord and i am doing miracles and you aren't listening and even the men of Nineveh repented at Jonah's teaching, and now I'm here, and I'm teaching you, and you're rejecting me. The men of Nineveh one day are going to stand up in judgment against you. Uh, the the Queen of the South, you might remember, she came to visit Solomon, and she was just awestruck at Solomon and his wisdom and how he had everything organized and the wealth of, of Israel and Jerusalem and Solomon. And she was just, she could barely keep her breath. She was so in awe and she's and, and he's saying listen someone greater than Solomon is here you guys shouldn't be rejecting me you should be really honoring me and and you're 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 lost now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it then it says i'll return to my house from which i came and when it comes it finds it unoccupied swept and put in order then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it also will be with this evil generation. Wow. He's just uh being very direct. You know, listen, there is a harsh penalty and harsh words for rejecting the Messiah, for rejecting Jesus. It's not gonna be good for those who have rejected Jesus He's done what is needed to get us to believe. He died on Passover. He rose from the dead. He is a miracle worker. He has fulfilled his holy word. There's so many reasons to believe. And people just need to know so that they do believe. And we want to try to help them. Because if they stand in unbelief and rejection of the one who came to die for them and rose again, it is going to be worse for those people. While he was still speaking, the crowds, to the crowds, behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And you remember when he said, you know, sometimes it's kind of like hard to read, but unless you hate your mother, your brother, your father, your sisters, you know, you cannot be my disciple. And he doesn't mean that he wants you to hate people. He just means that you you can't because like you can't turn away from Jesus and not have him be in your life because your wife doesn't want you to or your son doesn't want you to or your father doesn't want you to. You've got to. Once you realize Jesus is true, you got to place your trust in Him, regardless of anyone, what anyone else thinks, regardless of what your family thinks. You you've got to realize that your loyalty first and foremost is Jesus, and by the way, He'll help you to love your spouse and your kids even better. But Jesus comes first. You got to get that right and place your faith in Him, and Jesus practices what He preached because. Uh, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. And someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, "My Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers, For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. And Jesus is showing uh, how... Those who believe in him are part of his family and how important they are to him. And what a blessing that is, right? Now that we believe in Jesus, that we're like family to him. And listen, he took care of his mom all the way to the end. Um, but he had an important business to do with these people who are placing his trust in him. And, you know, Jesus loves his family. But uh, he welcomes us all to be a part of his family through faith. And what a blessing that is. God bless you all as we continue our journey through the Word of God.